Nerdism. Borno, the Punta de Roca El Salvador Surf City Pro mm. is a wrap with uh, a pretty famous victory for the Aussies and the women's. Stephanie Gilmore getting it done. Fluid, rhythmic as always mm. on a right point. Uh, contestable but not epic conditions uh, most of the event window, although we did get to see what it was capable mm. of. Uh, I think it was a day prior to the finals day. Steffi getting it done, and Griffin Colapinto, the San Clemente whiz kid, flaring it up a plenty mm. to get it done in the men's. But uh, I mean, a great event, really. They, they got it done. It, it's got shades of uh, kind of the eighties and nineties at the moment with the way the WCL is just jamming a million mm. events into a, a pretty tight mm. window. El Salvador now, uh, Brazil next, mm. and uh, I mean, highly entertaining. It, it's keeping me glued to the screen. I'm enjoying it. Mm. What'd you make of the action? Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it. I, d- I didn't think it was sort of one for the the record books or the the all time classics. Uh, you know, Punta de Roca. It was just an unknown quantity to us. Maybe I, I haven't spent any time over there. I think uh, most of the Kiwi battlers knew it quite well. There's been uh, big time events over there over the years, but yeah, mate. I mean, pretty fun looking wave. Good to see something different on tour. And in the end, you know, I, I just. Fuck, I was blown away by the surf and grifted. It was oh. it was on another planet. It was like deep, powerful, smooth, intentional, fucking aggressive surfing, but with just a touch of class, mate. I, I, I just, there's something to be said for the last uh, few events. I know it's been a while since we've dipped into the blitzed ink, put our quills in there and uh, scribed away, Smivy. But three of the four last events uh, on the men's side, at least, being taken out by these uh, these new shamans, these these headspace warriors, these guys who are building not just the physical attributes to be a world champ, but the mental game. You know, uh, there's a lot of heavy lifting going on with Jack Robbo and Griffin Colapinto in terms of having the mental aptitude to deliver under pressure. And man, oh man, like... You can see it working for them. Like, like these are two guys, mate, who are absolutely loving the pressure of the buzzer beater. Like they don't look rattled. Like when they're behind, they they have every bit of faith in the world that those voices that just start screaming at you when you're under pressure. They, they've they've really done a lot of work to quiet those voices down, eh? Mm. And uh, it's it's in the results, man. It's fascinating. I mean, hard to believe that at the start of the year, heading into Portugal, Griffin Colapinto is writing in his diary, you know, of, of being in a crisis of confidence, mm. uh, you know, having no joy in his surfing, struggling to find any kind of rhythm in the ocean. Uh, and then he gets that breakthrough result in Portugal against Toledo. And, 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 and watching him here in this event as well, you get the sense that, you know, when he's on, when he's feeling it, when, mm. he's, when he's feeling confident, he is. He basically grows another leg. He's he's unstoppable, mm. and uh, there, there is. I mean that literally. Like it doesn't matter what scores he's up against, uh, and, and at what point in the heat he's he's needing those scores. The uh, the confidence and self belief is just coming out of him. It's mm. oozing out of him, uh, and and you can see it in his surfing. Absolutely crazy performance. So many clutch moments in this heat. Uh, I mean, up again. You know, beating Medina on the buzzer. Uh, Beating Medina in, in any circumstances, the guy is a, a man mountain. He's a monolith of competitive surfing. I think, I think Slater called him on the program the greatest competitive surfer that's ever lived. Mm. Um, just that alone is just so difficult. I mean, the guy can get five fives in his sleep yep. with, with just basic, you know, ba- and feels no area. pressure. He's the yardstick for just backing himself with, you know, Ice a man. minute to go in combo. Like G- Gabe is still in his brain going, oh, I've mm. got this. You know, it's. Uh, it's a mental sort of fortitude that not many people have been able to break through or, or get on top of. But this new generation, man, and, and Jack Robbo and Griffin are, 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 you know, they're bedfellows in in what they're doing and how they're tapping. You even heard Griff say in one of the post-heat interviews, you know, I want a bit of what Jack's got because that uh, ability, event after event after, in, after event to embrace the pressure, to funnel it into something that will elevate your performance rather than, make you nervous or twitchy, you know? Like, Robbo, I think, had at least four or five heats that could have gone the other way. Mm. But the judges are just (laughs) 
slurping away on the confidence juice that's just uh, emanating out of these two groms. And uh, it's been a little while coming. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of the the rise, the actual rise of the Coolie kids once the hype had died down and they'd had to spend, you know, five years watching Kelly and Andy just completely dominate. Well, it's it's quite a similar sort of story here, isn't it? You've got your Jack Robbos, your Griffin Colapintos, your Kanoe, your Garashis, your Ethan Ewings. Um, and Arkell probably fits... It might even be a touch older, but it should be in that combo as well. But they've just had to sit back and watch Idolo, John John, Gabe. I think in the, in the last uh, almost or eight to ten years, there's been four world champs, and um, one of them is D'Souza. So it's really Idolo, John John, and Gabe who have dominated. And everyone else has to kick back and watch. And it just looks like these guys who always look like they should be in the world title combo have had a gutful, and they're coming on strong. And the Brazilian storm is just fascinating the way it's playing out uh personality wise chemistry wise it felt like there was a little chasm starting to split you know uh or starting to form between those big dogs who uh, had used basically that us versus them mentality to to leverage all of that success on the back of a couple of you know absolute freaks medina um obviously and then d'souza getting that uh that miracle run the year he won his world title but yeah, I think on the on the the backside of that Smivy is that we saw something we haven't seen for a while out of Brazil, and that's actually the band come full circle back around everyone mm. because the buzzer beaters has it's almost like been the worst thing that could happen to everyone else on tour because now the Brazilians are like, hang on a minute, what the fuck's going on here? We're getting stitched, and mate, as soon as they're getting threatened as a group, watch them just band in. Like mm. Italo was in, they were. You know, even post heat, going. Oh, I just want to having a hell time with the boys, and we just saw that that Italo of old, that fun guy, starting to rear his head up again, and and the guy who you know looks like Predator standing on branches with his fucking six pack out, uh, he sort of took a back seat at this event. Mm. Pretty sick to see. I mean, fuck, it's fascinating, man. These next three events are just set up so perfectly for the battle royale to make the top five. Yeah, and I think we could probably read into it that just getting on the jungle juice, ironically, at Garajigan. 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 I mean, the Brazos famously kicked that big, big send off. Mm. And, uh, you know, we saw Medina, Toledo on the juice. And sometimes those things are really important. It's a coming together, a, a, a big bonding session. Um, and that, it seems to, to have solidified something. Even in that event, you heard Toledo talking a lot of kind of patriotic stuff about, you know, oh, we've just got some Brazilians left in the draw now. It's Brazilians in, uh, you know, in the semis or whatever it was, you know, confident of, of taking it out for Brazil. It's all become, a, again, about mm. uh, a cert, certain level of patriotism and nationalism. And uh, that they have bound together, and it, it's not one out. They're not surfing for themselves. They're surfing for their country. And mm. I think they've kind of doubled down on that pact. And we saw that at this event. Uh, you know, Medina, Ferreira, Toledo, uh, you know, just hugging it out, like screaming mm. for each other, which is quite bizarre because, you know, Toledo, um, Toledo, Ferreira and Medina, they're all jostling and thereabouts to be in that top five conversation. So, um, you know, they're kind of surfing against each other's interests, but yet they're in each other's corner hard, which mm. is, it's an interesting dynamic as you it's, pointed it's out. It's incredible, mate. It's actually watching that play out the way it did. I, I was not ready for that. I fully thought after Cheap Gugubinen that uh, Medina had just hitched his little saddle to the Felipe Pony and he was just going to trot, trot, trot it into a, you know, a, a really focused world title campaign coming into the top five. I mean, Medina's not out of it, but it, without a win so far, now it starts to ramp up on Gabe a bit. But yeah, again, I just couldn't believe that uh, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, that, that brotherhood just bonded again. Mm. galvanized so they, they were ready to go they were backing each other up and i think that is a side effect of all these near misses you know like at what point do you start like having getting together uh you know just behind the scenes and going fuck is that for real man did did he really not win that did uh is, is there some sort of thing against us here and like you know what it's like I mean, you've seen it coming for for years they had to fight even for just uh mainstream fucking acknowledgement that they ripped you know, like they couldn't get a fucking shot in a mag. They couldn't get like acknowledged for having good style. They couldn't really like everything they had. They had they had to fight for, and they're right in that mood again now. And they've had a good time. They've had a good send. But you watch these three go fucking turbo at these next three events, man. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to acknowledge the role of 
the role of Jaddy here. I mean, he exited the event early, but uh, you know, I'm watching the Instagrams, and you know, mm. I, I watched this whole thing unfold, and Jaddy was the spearhead of it all, and just I, I get the sense that you know. At the end of the day, they're all in his corner, mm. and so that's where it kind of it emanates from that. They they, they want this battler. They, you know, his story is just fucking so remarkable. Yeah. A guy from the favelas, uh, you know, his parents had him when they were like fourteen years old. Yeah. He was a pretty just soccer player. Like he had to make a career as a sportsman to provide for his family. First, it was soccer. And then he thought, you know what, I'm going to go down the surfing route because, uh, you know, I've potentially got more potential there to make it. And just watching their treatment of him, you know, Jaddy's not even back in Brazil yet. He's at the airport, Medina's FaceTiming him, you know, and they're all sharing stuff on their Instagrams, mm. big up and Jaddy constantly. He's the uh, the spewed animal of it. And I really think he's the glue that binds the mm. whole show together for the Brazilians. Yeah. Um, he's that kind of, that sp- that spiritual element where, you know, they're, they're all doing it uh, for someone else. And if they can take such great joy in his successes, why not take incredible joy in each other's successes? And it's, there's a, a real heart to the way they get around the tour. And they've really... In- they haven't invented it, but they've reinvented it in a way that's all their own. Um, yeah. It is incredible. And, yeah, they're going to take some stopping at the pointy end. Holy shit. I mean, right. Toledo opening up the final of 957. Um, yeah, f- Rio next. Mm. Uh, you know, he's uh, number one in the world. Hates Chopes. Incredible at J-Bay, but yeah. you're, you're looking at two serious results. An absolute sure thing going into that final event. With no Medina there, potentially, at Trestles. Oh, Hard to see who's going to beat him. The only thing really working against, uh, well, not working against, uh, Philippe fills in. He's uh, he's going to be at Trestles and, uh, you know, it's his home wave and all that sort of mm. thing. But Kanoa and Griffin, mate. Like, Griffin in that top five combo is going to be gnarly at that wave. Like, Trestles, the crowd, like, man, he's going to have this whole nother realm of fucking froth around him. And Kanoa will probably feel the same, although I've, I get the feeling... You know, if, if all three of those guys are there, it's just going to be all about Griff. 100%. Yeah. Um, just just quickly on yeah. that, I mean, we, we've seen the difference that a positive headspace makes to Griffin. Without it, he's 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 rubbish. He's yeah. like, you know, barely making the cut. With it, he's unstoppable, best in the world. And getting down to Trestles, it, it's an unknown. Like, with all that support behind him, that can also be a bit of a curse. Uh, it can amount to pressure. We've seen that a lot. You know, winning one heat feels like winning the comp, I think mm. is what Morgs said. Um so it'll be interesting to see how he handles that situation. But if it, if it turns out to work in his favor, I, I don't think he can be stopped. When he's on, he's unbeatable, especially at a wave like that. There's, there's no one on the planet, surely, that surfs Trestles rights any better than Griffin Colopino on his day. Oh, yeah, I couldn't be, couldn't agree more. That's what sets up this top five, just the, the run, these next three events, and knowing that that WSL finals is at the end, I mean, far out, man. It, it's so – it's starting to build. Like, you can feel the energy starting to go, oh, okay. And if I look at the top five, I'm pretty much locking away the top four at this stage. Like, I can only see one spot up for grabs, mate. So you've got Phil in first, Jack Robbo in second, with, you know, Chopes and J-Bay to come. Uh, he, he hasn't even really been in a wave where he is the outright favourite, other than Pipe. Mm. You know, that's probably the the one event that he would have wished he'd done better in. Pipe and Sunset. Mm. Yeah. So, of course, yeah. And um, so he's still got two big, strong waves to come. Italo, just the experience, the cool head. He's got, you know, theatrics. What he's going to feed into as the showman in Rio is probably on par with what Philippe will do. I wouldn't be surprised if it's those two in the final, really, mm. uh, other than, you know, roll a dice, see who it lands on between those big three Brazilians. And then um, Griffin, yeah. So you've got, like, those four, to me, look unmovable from that top five. But if we're going to give away this last spot or who's in the fight for it, you've got Kanoa, uh, who we've seen has every one of those waves, like, is pretty in his wheelhouse J-Bay and Chopes, he's not scared to pack it. Ethan, Callum, Baron Mamiya could be like a wild card late one if he if he can bring that sunset carve to J-Bay and link it all. He's got a beautiful style. And then, he, you know, obviously Chopes, he's going to go good. And then out of the, the tail end of the tour, you Miggies, Kyo, Geordie, Connor, O'Leary, Chloe and Dino, McGilly Bottom. Uh, you can't see anyone making a late charge out of that crew, can you? You can see Geordie maybe getting a win at J-Bay from from down there. But a, a run into the final, I, I just can't see it happening, man. So it's like it's Ethan, Kanoa, and Callum for me. If Cal can keep this Morgs run that he's on just at full steam. And he's 
He's got that fucking backbone, hasn't he? He's got that like little bit of mongrel in him that just feels like he's not scared. And, and yeah, it's, it's oh, mate, geez, it's going to be fun to watch. Can you see anyone ch- charging in that top five from outside, you know, like eighth position? Well, I guess the question is, the one question is uh, that hasn't been answered yet as far as I know. Maybe you got some intel on this, but what grade tear uh, did John John do to his MCL? I mean, because if, if it's just a low grade tear, like a, a grade one or something, that, that can be like a four to six week injury, which would put him in the frame to surf at Chopes. True. Um, but beyond that, yeah, I tend to agree with you, Vaughn. I can't see too much movement in that top five. Nah. Um, and I, I think, uh, and I think Griffin will solidify his his spot in Brazil. I mean, it's it, we know how much of a confident surfer he is, mm. uh, for better and for worse. Uh, you know, he's fresh off a win. He's going into a, a high fi beach break scenario. That's his bread and butter. He, yep. he absolutely excels in any kind of uh, marginal conditions, high performance kind of situation. So I think he'll solidify his spot. Mm. Kanara again. Uh, I think he'll do well in Brazil. Uh, that favors him any kind of high performance scenario. Both strong at J-Bay. So, yeah, it, it could well be the top five that we're looking at now mm. in the Trestles event. Pretty crazy, yeah. I, I actually had written John off. I just thought the knee uh, to come back and, uh, I mean, far out, man. He, he did it for the Olympics, didn't he? He sort of came back a bit early and put his uh, leg at risk and just to, to make that team uh, much to the chagrin of GOAT. <laughs> just before we go any further, GOAT watch. I mean, it's it's heading downhill at a rate of not Smithy. But can he pull off a miracle? Can he can he tap into some former vein of glory from J Bay if it's like one of those like eight to ten foot years, you know, like one mm. really big heaving J Bay and then a, a you know, a fucking a John John slash Medina twenty fourteen Chopes year. If the swells align, can you see Goat making a run? <laughs> Will he get out of the salt cube and just start lick lick licking his way into those top five Smithy? Well, he's 16th in the world now. So, you know, it's not uh, out of the question that he could make a few heats at J-Bay for sure. Get mm. into the quarters, something like that. And uh, and then a, a, a similar result at Chopes. I mean, I don't know if that's enough to put him in the top five. Mm. I, I think that's probably the best case scenario. It'd be incredible to see him win at Chopes. It's possible. I mean, he won at Pipe at the start of the year. Yep. They're not the same wave, but he has uh, as good a record at Chopes as anyone. Oh, I think it's him, Medina, and Owen Wright are the, are the most winningest surfers out there of all time. In right. heats, yeah. yeah. So the, the, the numbers stack up for the goat, which he loves. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know, uh, I haven't crunched the numbers, but what a win at Chopes would do for him mm. in propelling him into the top five. I guess it does depend on the results of Kanoa and Griff. And to be honest, I just think they're going to be too good in these uh, yeah. next two events. Pretty piss week, if you ask me. Quicked off the cap, uh, a couple of mental local derbies in this. Uh, Jack O'Baker and, and Jack Robinson, I thought that was one of the heats of the event. Um, you know, just They just went... Toe to toe, it was an absolute blinder of a heat. The little known full blown jack off, a full blown jack off, mm. and uh, the little known Nova Castrian Jacko, the carnival strongman. He uh, he pushed his much more hyped world title threat to the absolute limit. Uh, had him had Robo comboed for most of the heat with some big slices. He was in rhythm, surfing with so much guts and grit mm. and passion. Uh, and I, I just love that performance. I think he'll go a long way. He'll have a, he'll have a, a long and very decent world tour career if he just keeps uh, surfing that kind of flow and rhythm. Just just feeling it, you know. He's a, a confident surfer. Big calves, big slices. Uh, he'll be licking his lips to get the J Bay. Mm. He'll probably do a bit of damage at Brazil too. Just just with the sheer amount of intestinal fortitude he's shown. I think mm. he's I think he's just done himself so proud on tour this year, Jacko. He's just got the greatest attitude too, man. Like oh, when we uh, sat with him up there for the the live show at Miami, you know, he came on stage. He just he he looked like a bloke who was just loving every second of every experience that the World Tour has brought to his life. And I think that's. Uh, on the back of just having to work so hard for it. Like, he's really made that decision to enjoy it. And, mm. man, fuck, when you're free and easy, how, how how easy is it to get results? How easy is it to feel good about your life? And you can sort of wash the, the losses off as something to be grateful for. And you can, you know, uh, when, when you excel, you're so much more able to process what went right and how to channel that energy again on the next time around. Yeah, Jacko ripping, but, oh, my God. Dude, dude, I did not see... Fucking, I honestly just thought after Margaret's and Grudgigan and uh, all the buzzard-beating heat wins, man, you, you get enough of them and all of a sudden, I think the judges are going to start second-guessing themselves. Like, they've got to start going, fuck, are we just like, do we just keep handing this to him or is he asking the question? Is it legit? 
And I just thought Robbo's performance over there just was fucking mind mind boggling, mate. He was so good. He was he, he was in a corner. He'd come out and absolutely send it. He would just pack it. He had so much anger and fucking drive, dude. And geez, he left some uh, damaged wave face in his wake. It was, it was so good to see that heat in particular against Jacko. The wave that he gets his score on to beat him is mm. just. Absolute madness. Yeah, full blown. The commentator shrieked with excitement because it had that kind of little bit of wee in his pants. Hey, just a little bit of wee in his undies by the end of that one. I mean, just a a roundhouse wrap onto the rebound, and the spray hasn't even hit the water yet from the rebound. uh, Sorry, from the wrap, Mm. it comes rocketing off the rebound, off the foam, straight into an air rev. Super unpredictable, super X factory, super Medina like. Um, So. Yeah, he just has that spice, that bit of unpredictability mm. that just sends the judges wild. You know, you got to make the judges feel something to get into that excellent range. And Robbo has that in spades at the moment. Mm. Uh, came up against Medina next, couldn't get the job done against the real deal. So, I mean, that's a hurdle he's got to overcome. Just uh, he's got to be able to get up against the big dogs, get mm. the results against we the got big dogs. Uh, sorry, he, got, he got him in Jay Bay. Sorry, got him in Gagabumun. He got him in Gagabumun. Oh, he can do it. He got him. So, and he looks forward to it. And that's, that's the difference though, to me, like, even though, yeah, you're right. Those, those big dogs, they, they need to be taken down. You got to win more of them than you lose. That's right. Uh, But I think he's looking forward to those heats, you know, like he, he, he's, he's circling that end of the draw. He's probably like at the start of his thing, got his little red pen out. He goes, there's Medina. There's me. We're going to meet in the quarters. That's the heat I'm surfing to get to Mm. before I start my campaign in this event. And I think Griff has the same mentality. I just think they're, you know, when when you're at a level where you're going, just give me the big dogs, that's when you're going to surf your best. And we've seen it out of both those guys. And, um, yeah, the Medinas and all that crew, it's a little bit hard to sort of gauge where Medina's at because on one hand he looks like he's just cruising, but as that finals starts getting nearer, you, you can see that something's flicked. Like they're, they're, he's not just cruising and having fun anymore. The idea that, there's going to be a world title battle without him in it. Must it have to keep him up at night by now? Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to think he really enjoys the position that he's in. No one's, you know, there's not a whole lot of pressure on him. He's come in right at the end of the season. It, it's kind of a an almost Slater esque scenario mm. where you know it's all a, it's all a bonus for him. Like if he wins, he's he's winning despite himself um, having missed most of the, the year. So uh, the pressure off, you know, if you if he pulls it off and win and makes the final five and wins a title from here, it'll just be one of those bizarre kind of sporting achievements that'll probably be unprecedented forevermore. Oh, he's he's that kind of surfer, isn't he? But I've got to ask you, Smithy. It's a challenge. What would you bet? What would you be willing to bet for Medina to just make that top five? Would you be willing to bet um, some cartilage saving foreskin, perhaps stem cell foreskin? Mm. Put my foreskin on the chopping block, you're saying, Vaughn. <laughs> yeah, would you be willing? Well, uh, look, depends where that foreskin's going to go. If it's going to end up in John John's knee, uh, stringing it back together, yeah. Yeah, I'll put it up there. Why not? Mm. Get back on protection, your mouth. All right, let's have a quick look at uh, who won this event and, and their road through it. We'll start with the women. Ladies first, Steph Gilmore bouncing back from a first-round loss. Uh, she survived the eliminate elimination heat against Tatiana, just like Griffin did, actually, both ending up in the elimination heat. Mm. Pretty subpar conditions on the opening day, you know, just sideshore, bumpy, lumpy crap, and we know that that is not Steph's cup of tea. Mm. Uh, she's a purist. She uh, she needs to be excited by the conditions, but also she, she needs conditions in which she can find some rhythm and flow and let that, you know, kind of gangly frame really sink up and... and, and Find its uh, find its rhythm, which it did as the condition wore as the event wore on. The conditions continued to improve, and her momentum just built and built, and she became an unstoppable force. Mm. I mean, kind of winning the event in a, in a bit of a cancer, to be honest. Uh, you know, looking at uh, the quarters on, she uh, never really looked all that threatened. A pair of eights to beat Form Surfer. Isabella Nichols uh, in the quarters. A pair of sevens to beat Caroline Marks in the semis, pretty comfortably. Uh, just a, a quick note there too, you know, a triumphant return for Caroline. Yes, to the world tour. Great to, to see her back. back, and and and, and geez, uh, just that power game and just that electrifying sort of razor backhand surfing that she's got. It's uh, it, it was missed. It was sorely missed. That's that's the kind of backhand surfing. I mean, Joanne Defay put on a nice car backside carving, beautiful clinic of, of clean surfing. But that that Oki factor, that raw power, the man, I'm looking forward to seeing Caroline just back. Burying off the bottom yeah. and clubbing the section. Just the it's bottom all, turns, mate. It's almost a second thought. What's ah. cu- what's coming at her? It's ah. uh, just 
pure commitment off the bottom and uh, she'll meet whatever's coming back at her mm. off the top. Pow! <laughs> and, uh, yeah, too strong in the final. Steph beating Lakey Peterson. Uh, yeah, just winning big heats at the pointy end pretty comfortably. A 7-3-3 and a 5-6-7. In those kinds of conditions, she should win the event. There is no one better in the history of women's surfing in a right-hand point break than Stephanie the Gwoat Gilmore. It's so it's so cool to see Steph with a bit of fury in her surfing, man. I remember years ago when she, she was sort of starting to go through that period of uh, people going, if, if the surf's not pumping, if it's not an open, clean, offshore day, she's... She's kind of uh, uninterested, and, and that's where her weakness lies. And then she had Snake Patterson come on board as a bit of a coach, and she won in Brazil. And everyone was like, whoa, what's this? And then Snake retired from, from coaching right when she kind of needed it most. And I felt like there was a bit of a, a gap there. Like he, he'd given her this belief, a little bit of mongrel, brought her back into the competitive fray for, for in conditions that were subpar for her surfing. But she just looks like, Fuck, man. I was worried at the start of this year. She had like little results here and there and was there or thereabouts, but didn't look like a world title campaigner by the cutoff mark. Looked like a rotwheeler tail, you know. She was down the tail end of the tour, but she wasn't the tail wagon. She was just mm. one of those little rotwheeler nubs, mm. just moving back and forth, kind of like, well, what's it even there for, you know? But, uh, mate, she's uh, since G-Land, since making the, the cut, she's like got a quarter there, surfed well, come out for a win. And post-heat presses were basically like, I'm angry. She, mm. she looked determined and angry. And I thought that she looked like someone who has sort of just woken up a little bit. And probably a, a little bit there to do with Tommy Whitaker. You know, he's the ultimate sort of uh, sportsman. You know, he really channels that sort of mentality of like, you've got to fight if you want to get in this. And Steph looks up for the fight. Uh, the heat draw that you just took us through. They're all hoodoo surfers for Steph. Like every single one of them. Tatiana is just an absolute little terrier in in all heats. That was rattling Steph if the conditions didn't suit her, you know. And then Isabella, like uh, has an event win already this season. Absolutely rips on the forehand. Probably like the next front side, you know, like fucking clear water just shredder. Absolutely goes at it. And Carolyn Marks has always been a, a, a nervous heat for Steph too. Lakey Peterson in the final, like far out. She's just been looking great. So it just looks so good to see Steph, you know, getting a little bit of fucking kick and scratch mode for me, Smivy. Yeah, and I think uh, I think it comes down to a point you made, Vaughn. It's the coaching. Uh, you know, Jake Patterson, a former coach, gave her that grit and determination mm. and that, that bit of anger and mongrel. Tom Whitaker, you know, a world tour contemporary of Snake, uh, very close mates, similar characters. Uh, they're from, you know, a, a gritty kind of age of Australian competitive surfing, no holes barred, going hammer and tong at your opponent. Um, and I think, you know, far out, the proof's in the pudding. The guy coached both winners of the events, mm. Steph and Griffin. So, you know, he comes from, a, a, a as you said, a family that's just brimming with elite sporting pedigree. Yep. Your brother, Chris Whitaker, played for the Wallabies in rugby union uh, and was an absolute... Captain the Wallabies, I believe. Yeah, it was an absolute giant of football. His other brother, Ben, a pro footballer and an elite football coach. Mm. So they're just dripping in professional sporting pedigree, especially in and, the coaching And he's tapping realm. those guys for sure, 100%. Mate. Yeah. yeah. It's hundred percent, and uh, yeah, you, I think that is the, the the one hurdle Steph has to overcome. It's just motivation in conditions that don't suit her. She's probably mentally beating herself up. Oh, it's Brazil. Oh, it's Sideshore El Salvador. Um, you know, these aren't waves that necessarily suit me. I'm not going to do well here. I, mm. I, my style's going to be blunted. My uh, you know front side hacks and and calves and rhythm. It, it, there's no place for it to fit in this kind of wavescape. That said, um, you know she's she's Toughed it out in the early rounds here. Uh, Brazil next. Bit of a bogey event. Maybe she'll do well there. Maybe she won't. I'm tipping that she'll go pretty deep in the event with Tommy in her corner with this kind of confidence. Mm. But then J-Bay, like, fuck. Uh, yeah, Carissa's really the, the only challenge to her at J-Bay. You, you would imagine, if it's, if it's pump and surf. And if she can get... Well, she's third in the world right now. So If she can get to that final five event... At four foot trestles rights, holy smoke, she'll take some beating. It could be that late dream run, Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Steffi the Gwoke Gilmore could add, what is that, the, uh, the eighth? Eighth, an un- undisputed heavyweight champion of all time uh, for women surfing. Mate, one thing 
that I loved about Steph's win in El Salvador was that last year in the Make or Break series, if you watch her win in Mexico, it's like a relief. It's like, oh, God, I, I, I can still be here. You know, it would have been too long. I, I was wondering where my place was on this tour. I was feeling a little bit left out. And, and that kind of felt like it was carrying over a bit, that, that headspace, that mentality into this year. But once that cutoff disappeared and that pressure to just surf to win came back into her head, and with that additional fight that, you know, and, and grit that Tommy's brought in and belief, I don't think she'll be hitting that, that finals day at Trestles if she gets there, which I, I believe she will. I don't think she'll be hitting it with the same sort of, uh, sort of, I don't know. It was like she had to, to manufacture the belief that she was in a world title race last year. This year, she looks like if she hits that top five, it's like, nah, I'm not just here because I qualified last and I'm going to go in. She's going to go in regardless of where she qualifies, ready to fucking win it. Mm. That's that's what I see as the biggest difference between Steph of 2021 and Steph of 2022. Mm. And the problem is, if Carissa Moore surfs to her potential, she's near unbeatable. Mm. That's the problem. I mean, if she... She does what she can do. Uh, there's just simply no overcoming her, regardless of how well Steph performs, I think, in that final event of the year. It, it, it's a problem. So uh, I don't know what she can do to destabilize Carissa um, over these next few events but uh, and, and that final event. Uh, I mean, it's not really in her character to you know go the freaky Zeke Lau route or the Sonny Garcia mm. route and uh, you know put them under the pump and you know, get in their grill, but far out. You know it's competition surfing, and you've got to do <laughs> what you've got to do to win. So it'll be interesting. You know Tom Whitaker, his family are, are pro footballers. They come from that background of competing hard mm. with your opponent and putting them under the pump. So it will be interesting to see what kind of attitude Steph takes into these next few events. If she gets a crack at Carissa deep in the event, whether uh you know. Potentially, she can get the uh, the world title won before it gets to Trestles in Brazil, in J-Bay, mm. at Chopes, um, just with a, a gritty, gutsy performance and just start getting the wood, start building that confidence and that um, superiority over Carissa now as opposed to leaving it to Trestles. Yeah, and I think uh, one other point of interest, Smithy, is that Carissa hasn't won an event this year. So she's heading, you know, with three events to go. Uh, one's going to be on the backhand in heavy water tubes, and, and you can imagine that there's not much room at Chopes for, for big backside Rios to score. I mean, if they run it in sort of subpar conditions, yeah, you'll, you'll go to the turns, and then that'll level things out a little bit for Carissa because we saw what she could do at J-Bay. But, sorry, at um, Gagabin, Gugiman. But uh, the, the problem is, is that it, she's got J-Bay, really. To, to fucking get that big win and, and take some momentum into the end of the year. If she doesn't get that win, is how is that going to start to play into someone like Carissa? Because she has to win. Dude, that's the, my favourite thing about WSL finals. And, and this is, uh, it's not for everyone and everyone has their beef with it, you know, here or there. But you've got to fight to win. You have to be fucking slugging it out to get the win on the day. And Carissa nearly fucking got done by Tatiana last year because mm. she had an opponent who wasn't scared. And uh, every other world title, these these women are not winning it in the last event. They're cruising to their, their world titles early. Uh, as far as the top five goes for the women, Smithy, in or out, like you've got Carissa, she's definitely going to be there at the end of the day. You can't see her having a shock and run in these last three events. So she's going to be there on finals day. Joanne Defay, second in the world currently. What a looks... crazy story that is. I mean, almost gave away surfing. If it wasn't for Jeremy Flores yeah. stumping up and, and helping her pay her way around the, the qualifying circuit, she'd, she'd be lost to the sport. And Yet Joanne she is second in the exactly, world. Exactly, mate. Yeah, and she looks like in that sort of uh, Griffin Jack wheelhouse where she's just had a gut full of watching these other women sort of uh, dominate and, and just be greedy with the world title trophies. Steph in third. I see, sorry, Joanne being there. Finals day for mm. sure. Steph in third uh, with J-Bay to go. You would imagine she will accumulate plenty of points there. Uh, Chopes, hard to say what she'll do there. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one, Chopes. I'm, I'm so fascinated to see how it all, all the dominoes fall Jeez, in that. Event. How good's it going to be to see the women? Hopefully it is in that four to six foot hollow range. Uh, that said, you know, four to six foot, it's almost a more consequential wave than when it's in that six to eight foot range, mm. breaks a bit closer to the reef, but fuck, it's perfect at that size. And geez, you want to, you want to see Steph have a real crack yeah. out there. Um, yeah. you know, there's no shortage of slabs in this country to practice on. Um, 
you know, I, she's not a regular Adam though. You don't ever see footage or photos of her or, or hear of her putting her time in on, nah. on the reef breaks of Australia, which is a bit of a shame, you know, given that they're there. They're just waiting to be surfed. So uh, that could be a, a real... Just a, a real failure of strategy and commitment there. Mm. Um, that the, you know she might kick herself later on. I think there's a lot of areas where the the top brass of women surfing are gonna be found out in the next few years because airs is another big one. You know we didn't really see the kind of surfing from the women in El Salvador that was groundbreaking in any way, shape, or form. In fact, it just went back to just smooth lines and you know classic style that got Steph the win over there. And and you know fair fair. Fair pay to her. Nobody has the front side gouged, uh, you know, linked beautifully into a, into another combo, 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 and and an aggressive finish than Steph. Like it's still beautiful to watch, mm. but that reef surfing and that you know heavy reef water and aerials, it, it's gonna expose them in the next few years. Yeah. So watch out. And it's what separates, um, you know, the goods from the greats is just going into your weaknesses delving deep into yeah. those weaker points of your surfing, working on them and turning them into a strength. Look at you D'Souza, want to see that. Mate. Look at D'Souza with Jamie O'Brien. Uh, you know, like you just put in that little bit of extra effort to seek out a mentor, go to these places. And within a couple of weeks, you're already going to be 10 times better off than you were before. Mick Fanning. I mean, the guy uh, couldn't get a result at Chope, spent weeks there. And uh, what did he win an event there? Yeah, the beat, beat Parco, our boy Parco in the final. And became an absolute specialist at pipe. Won... Um, Multiple world titles there. Mm. Um, oh, so so just on that uh, top five for the women, Brisa is I think in danger. She she got that uh, I think one big win at Sunset, and then uh, has just sort of like been slowly slipping off the boil. And right in behind her, Lakey Peterson, who's in fifth. I expect her to be there. I think the carrot of uh, a hometown surf off for the world title is just too real sort of uh, wants to wants to have that opportunity and, and he's not one of the young younger women on tour at the moment. You know, like if you haven't got an air game, Smithy, you're going to be looking over your shoulder at some point in the next few years. Um, the big sort of movers I see, Tyler Wright has the Bells win, hasn't really looked all that interested or, or, or sorry, just hasn't really delivered in too many other events, but doesn't look worried. Just looks like she's so on her own program. I kind of expect her to make a charge in these next three events. Backside heavy water, she's sweet. I think she'll be the uh, the surfer to beat at Chopes. Yeah, the the road. totally agree. Uh, Isabella is also someone I see coming strong. Uh, I think at J-Bay she could really do damage. And then you've got the real big, heavy, experienced campaigners in Courtney and Tatiana. So I think Brisa is the surfer in trouble up there in that top that top five at the moment. Uh, and then there's a little bit of a log jam to sort of uh, get in. And you'd have to say Tyler is, is going to be a special in these last few events. Yeah, the the battle for the final five in the women's is one of the real kind of subplots in this World Tour season. Mm. It's going to be incredible because I'm expecting some big moves there. Uh, you look at those four that are just beneath the top five cut, Tyler, Isabella, Courtney, Tatiana. They are, I mean, you've got three big dogs, three absolute veterans uh, with strengths all over the field coming into these last few events. And then you've got the, uh, the sunny coast rail shaman, the stylish surfer, who's been a bit of an unknown quantity um, as far as far as uh, you know, J-Bay, you'd expect to do well. Uh, Brazil, you'd expect to do mm. well. You know, just a, a rippable beach break. And, you know, she, that, that. she cracks the lip. She goes vert. And that's going to... Uh, uh, I think her style suits J-Bay, so she won't have to go up through the lip as much there. But, like, the, the beaches and, and all of that, mm. and I, I, I don't know. Is she going to end up being another one of those Sunny Coast lunatics who just gets out of chopes on an 8 to 10 foot day? We saw her... She lost at pipe, but she got one of the best waves of the event at backdoor. Mm. Isabella. Yeah. Far out. It's going to be such an interesting event to watch. I mean, knife and one under the ledge, backside, and just rinsing corn. It's not something that we've seen a lot from uh, from any female pro surfer I can think of on mm. the world tour. Can almost not think of a, a skits, grab rail, like six foot plus slab pit. Of, uh, I can't think of one chick who's really done one. The only person who came close in my mind is uh, Rochelle. Like I remember her doing in the oh, early yeah. days of, of uh, Chopu really giving it some, you know, Chelsea like Hedges. proper having a crack. I mean, there's been some backside tube riders for sure at that uh, level. I mean, in the current iteration of the world. Oh, yeah. Up. No. Um, so uh, Tyler, Tyler is the Tyler closest is the thing. one, she's, for sure. 
Definitely. Uh, and, and you know what? <laughs> She's, you wouldn't call it the most uh, aesthetically pleasing sort of backside knifing. But she's got it in her, and that's Sal. Our Sal has uh, good results on on big, heavy water backside reefs. But yeah. Tyler is by far and away cloud the best. break. So yeah. I stand corrected. She has uh, she's done a backside, got fully coned in the Pacific. So yeah, you'd expect Tyler to go deep in this event and mm. fire out. That'll be a popular victory. Seeing her get into the top five and take it to Arnie Riss Riss. Hey. Quick look at Griffin's road to victory at the El Salvador Pro. Uh, Lost out in the first round, in fact, to Kyle Abelli and Jake Marshall. Uh, pushed down into the elimination heat mm. where he could have easily coughed up a really terrible result. Uh, we know how much he depends on confidence. Conditions didn't really didn't really provide those opening heats, but he survived that. Uh, and, and I think by surviving that, he, he dro- drops an 8 to get past Carlos Muniz. And uh, it was basically one of the best selected and surfed waves of the whole event. Mm. Uh, just had it all. A couple of juicy bowls, jammed some big turns out the back onto the foam, then used a boiling rock section for target practice and an end section float. And, uh, you know, once he had, from there, the momentum really started to build. Mm. Once he had that bit of confidence under the belt, it was just uh, like a fucking snowball rolling down a hill. Uh, more and more confidence. Round of 16 versus Geordie Smith. Oh. White chocolate, uh, fresh off one of the most comical melts <laughs> of his entire career against Yago Dora. How good was it, Vaughn? Oh, mate, the chalky. I'm still wiping it off the uh, soles of my feet. There's just puddles of it everywhere. It's uh, unbelievable that Yago just he, he drops the first, you know, globally viral clip of the entire event. And who just sort of goes backwards over the falls as he, like, comes flying out of the... Out of the whitewash with his arms raised like Christ the Redeemer. Just go scroll slightly to your left. And there he is, backwards over the falls, the Chockey. So Griff uh, yeah, gets past Geordie pretty easily. And then uh, the quarterfinal versus Kanoa, the, the, one of the great, the two great local derbies in the entire event. Fuck, this was a cracker of a heat. Mm. Uh, Kanoa opening with a huge clean frontside punt for a 6-6-7. Griffin answers with an 8-5, uh, full of calves. Finners, a savage drop while he ticked every box and the judges gobbled it up. But then uh, this is where it gets interesting for me. Kanoa found rhythm right through the middle part of the heat. He answered back with a 733 mm. and an 8.87 to control um, that second third of the heat. And uh, it was a lot of it was on account of that, that transitional finner that I've been raving about for several years now. It's, mm. it's just money, a remarkable turn that he has on lock. It's second to none, and it's the bedrock of uh, most of his scores in any kind of performance scenario. Down the line, it's a fast, critical maneuver, and the, the move gets crazier the closer to it you get. So mm. from the, where the judges are watching it, 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 it looks electric. From the shoulder, the thing mm. just looks fucking out of this world. Just... Uh, um, Mate, that heat, I called it in the last episode. I think it actually, we, we published the app and then that heat happened the next day. But I was saying, this is this is the rivalry you want to keep an eye on heading into these last three events because it's all about the top five for both those guys. They both want to be there. They both see themselves as contenders. But they're both locals. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, they're, they're from there or thereabouts, you know, on that little uh, Southern California strip. Uh, and I just think... There would be nobody in that top, you know, no one in the rest of the draw who Griffin wants to beat more than Kanoa and who Kanoa wants to beat more than Griff. Like, yeah, if you get a win over a Medina or an Italo, you'll, you'll bank that. You'll take it home. You'll be like, fuck, and they're the heats I live for. That's what I want. But just on pure, I cannot let this guy beat me. I have to be better than him. Those two are on par. And I thought that heat was a real special man. Like, you could see that it meant more than just getting through. Like, it was fully personal. Had it been against anyone else but Kanoa, I don't see Griff coming up with the score that he got to win that heat. Mm. I think, uh, you know, those rivalries, when you're up against a close mate, a childhood nemesis, they're the ones that just make you you double down on your focus and your grit. You have to win. You mm. have to. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, it'll, he knows it's going to burn him alive for years, months after. Um, and that's what he did. He yeah. pulled out a 9.1. For the win, uh, I mean, far out. It, a couple of huge power jams on the outside on one of the biggest waves of the day and then flogged the bejesus out of the inside closeout section with a lip line belt. But wasn't done at that point, Vaughn. Uh, Kanoa answered straight back with a sketchy air rev straight into a head dip. And then, Vaughn, the turn that is money for him 
always, it's his, uh, you know, it's, he can take that thing to the bank every day of the week. It finally failed him. Oh. Uh, the transitional finna. You know, I, I dare say he would have got the score and won that heat had he had he pulled it, but he fell. And uh, it, the weird thing was, the move was completed. Mm. But, uh, you know, he almost got ahead of himself because it's such a transitional move. He clicks it and then looks to pump out of the move, often before the fins have even reconnected. Uh, in that mm. move, he just had to ride straight. Yeah. He just had to complete it, but he's trying to pump down the line because that's just in his kind of muscle memory to do that. Ends up pumping it and, and losing the fins and, and just face planting. Oh. Far out. Jeez, uh, what a heat. What, what a, a heat. Actually, Joel uh, Snorky Nostradamus Parkinson uh, sent me a text uh, with some footage, some links to uh, Griff surfing throughout the event, but that heat in particular, he's like, am I fucking tripping or am I just looking at Shane Powell Mac 3.0? <laughs> and I just like, I got goosebumps thinking about it because Powell, he, uh, he was, you know, the boards were different. Uh, there, there's a kind of a difference in the Powell game and, and a difference in the physique, but early Powell, uh, especially in that sort of world, title battle year with Slater. I think it was around 95, 96 in that little zone. Man, oh man, he was, yeah, might have actually even been 94, but there was that big shift in, in that, you know, like it wasn't just Kelly, it was everyone else coming up on the back of Kelly, taking it to the old guard. And man, he was like one of the most electrifying surfers, best style you've ever seen. And um, Parker was having flashbacks to old uh, Powley sections, which warmed the cockles of my heart. Maybe just as a, a little aside there for you, to take into the rest of your day. Wow, I mean, if you're getting, if you're getting uh, compared to Shane Powell with your power gaffs, and you got that kind of fin throw sizzle and air rev sizzle that mm. Griffin's got, I mean, far out. That, that's a huge doff of the cap. It's you, a doff from the mighty Nostradamus. If you can combine those two aspects of your surfing, far out. You're going to take some beating. I mean, the purism, the pure rail shamanism, mm. the great Shane Powell with all of the mod cons. Wow, wow. and. Uh, from there, from that, get, I, I feel like the, the event was won for Griffin in that heat. Almost mm. the, the the confidence that he earned from that win in those circumstances was tremendous. And uh, he comes up against Medina in the semi, uh, falls a couple of times early in that heat, where you know ordinarily you'd see kind of Griffin pack it in at that point, but. Definitely not far out. He came out swinging. And those manoeuvres that he fell on, they were crazy manoeuvres. Mm. Like, uh, you know, and they weren't far off. He was just missing. Um, there was a, a crazy finna and a couple of calves before falling on the end section layback. That that was a, a pretty terrible mistake because he mm. didn't have to hit the end as hard as he did. If you had to just a, a bit more of a conservative kind of finishing manoeuvre and uh, he gets a solid backup score mm. to go with what would uh, be an 8-5 that comes straight after. But instead he falls, he gets a 4-5. Doesn't go into his top two, but uh, an eight-five for a series of frontside finarios uh, made the most out of a wave that probably had seven max written on it for most surfers mm. on tour, and uh, then Medina with the backside air rev for a five-five that he could have done in his sleep, mm. it, as mentioned at the top of the program. It, it's crazy that he can get those kinds of numbers for a one-hitter backside air reverse. That is, he has that move. So unlock it's a yep. joke. And again, uh, you know, even Medina, and this is it feeds back into that sort of uh, group mentality that's that's starting to band around the entire Brazilian storm again. It's that they're feeling a bit underdone. It's like they're saying to the judges, "Well, hang on a minute. Like I'm watching everyone else's surfing, and they're they're not doing anything all that different from what I'm doing, and we're getting a little bit, you know, scorched on it." Um, that's just. I guess that's just they always had that thing, you know, world to, world title points. You get a few extra if you if you're the world champ. It's it's almost going the other way. The pendulum always does swing back eventually. Well, it's the the problem that surfing runs into all the time. I mean, uh, Medina can do a backside air reverse in his sleep, but he could never pull off the kind of fluid down the line rail surfing as someone like Ethan Ewing mm. and vice versa. But for some reason, airs are prioritised more over style and flow and, and rail surfing at this point. Uh, and, and just a quick mention of Ethan, because he, he is in form, he is up the pointy end and, and could get into the top five. Mm. And you'd almost, you know, looking at Brazil and J-Bay coming up, he's very much a possibility, but far out. you just can't see a surfer at this point in time winning a world title uh, just on his rail. It just seems like an impossibility. I just don't think the judges would ever give it to you. The only... The, look, we've had this conversation before on Blitz, but I think the the surf that Ethan Ewing, if he makes that top five and he's in the WSL finals, 
what he will want is that Kelly Slater in black and white, six to eight foot, fucking dead glassy trestles mm. rights day. Because, yeah, you know, you can go to the air on those days. Uh, it's not like the most aggressive whitewash there by any stretch. So you can take the air on big waves there. But that's where the rail game will make the airs look, you know, unless it's an absolute fucking skits one. You could, you could do it. Mm. It's possible. But, I mean, that's a... One in a million kind of scenario, eh? Getting that, like, you know, that double overhead trestles, like, really beautiful, big, bowled-out, punchy rights. Yeah, well, I feel like the kind of surfing... For an entire day, too. Yeah, and I thought like the kind of surfing Ethan's got to do to, to get scores up into that 8.5, 9 range, like, he can definitely do it, and he can do it over and over again mm. to come uh, from deep in that event to get the win, in theory. But then you, you're looking at... Your Toledo's and Medina's, you know, Medina's stomping a backflip, and you know, they they can pull off one hit of manoeuvres that yeah. are getting yeah. There's t- there's nines a, and uh, the ten is only for X Factor surfing. It's it's, mm. it's never really there for for just putting it together in a really beautiful, solid way, is it? Mm, nah. Well, we watch this space, Smitty. Watch this space. But uh, just back onto that semi, uh, Medina, his biggest score in that heat, uh, backside air rev on the outside. Uh, ticked a few boxes with Rios and floats all the way to the inside, a 7-6-7. Seven, seven. And uh, so that match of the 5-5 the five, five had Griffin in a, in a tricky scenario. Mm. Um, he basically needed a score on the buzzer, gets it, a 4.8 for a, 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 a grovelly kind of wave that he, he put together well. Um, but, uh, yeah, geez, I mean, just clutch surfing. Mm. Just remarkable against the Iceman himself to get the Vic. <laughs> Huge win. <laughs> And then uh, up against Toledo in the final, the second time this year, uh, contesting a final in, in very similar conditions, three mm. to four foot, kind of marginal. Um, Griff got the nod. Portugal gets the nod here. Yeah, but it, it looked like Toledo would take this one out off the, off the buzzer, a 9.57 for that skitsy full road oop. I'm a bit of a critic of his full road oops. Sometimes they can look a bit cheese whizzy, little chop hoppy. You know, he doesn't really project out of the bowl sometimes. Mm. It's... um. Yeah, I mean, it's a de- very different oop to the ones that he does at J-Bay. Those just high speed, just throws it like a kite surfer into the wind and just sort of somehow manages to keep the board stuck to it. Yeah, like they're just super critical on big waves. Mm. These ones are these weird little, like they are, they're kind of like a, a glorified frontside cheese whiz. Mm. They've definitely got a, a little He's- element, but like if you're there in real life and you're, you're copping that down the line sp- speed, you know, like instead of looking into the wave, like you're seeing how fast he's going and the way that he can pop that tail up high and then, because he, when he lands, the board is almost separating. So he's got a lot of time in the air. Yeah. But it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, I think the big problem, if you're looking at the heats that Felipe's lost from his perspective, is that the, the power game just is just slightly lacking compared to his competitors, which is weird because he's got the most pound for pound, most fucking lacerating full rail V8 frontside carve in mm. the game. But those through the lip turns and those off the lip turns do kind of expose his his size a little bit, you know? Mm-mm. Maybe that's something to do with it. And I feel like he's, he might be gaming the system a bit with his punt game. I mean, uh, back to the alley-oop, like the, the purest in me wants to see a, a more of the Julian Wilson, Josh Kerr variety uh, with, a, with a deeper bottom turn into the bowl and just going more kind of vertically, projecting more vertically mm. as opposed to uh, this kind of, like Toledo, you can see he cuts his bottom turn a lot shallower. He, he comes at it from a, a much more parallel angle and he gets the, the crazy rotation, but not the the heighty kind of projection mm. that those guys would get. Uh, and then the 957, he follows up the full road alley with an air reverse, which is, again, it, it has this kind of, cheese whizzy variety to it he, he does it before the section uh, he doesn't hit the phone there's like a, a kind of a cupped out section and you see it done by punters in the surf around here that that reverse cheese whiz they do it on the flats mm. you know you know what i mean the reverse chop mm. hop um and he's kind of figured out a way to do that but off the the vert cupped out section so there's a, a bit of gap he gets a little bit of pop and uh, he gets that crazy kind of corked rotation with the board almost coming out um you know you get a full shot of the the flat bottom of the That's board right, coming yeah. out towards the beach and it's a dramatic maneuver and anytime someone can rotate one way and rotate the other i think that is a remarkable feat in surfing it's yeah. fucking sick gets the crowd on its feet 
but yeah, he's he's not he's not hitting the section with like the actual fucking meat of the section. He's mm. kind of doing it just beforehand, and he's relying on his technical uh, handle of these maneuvers as opposed to really burying bottom turns and launching hard off the section. Yeah, we're getting deep, deep into the nitty gritty here, Smithy. Breaking down the uh, the techniques of one air compared to another, I kind of I feel like with Philippe, yes, he, he does so many airs. Uh, most of them are so skits that when you don't see one that's really singing to you, uh, you, you find yourself going like, "Fuck, am I loving this, or am I am I bored with this, or like, why am I feeling like it's not?" packing the same punch as other airs that you see. Because you know, that's... is he bamboozling the judges with the rotations? Like, it's, it's almost as though the rotation is where the, the, the score is earned as opposed to the, the meat of the section and the commitment with which he hits a heavy section. I feel yeah. like uh, he's just, you know, spinning like a fucking top. Mm. And, yeah. uh, you know, that, that's got everyone spellbound, but we're not actually looking at the, the quality and size of the section and the velocity of the punt necessarily. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, man. But, uh, you know, like, he's not winning. So he's getting into the finals, but he's not winning. So he's bamboozling to a point, and maybe the judges are, I don't know if they're punishing him because they see what you see, or maybe they're just, yeah. Maybe that's exactly why he's not getting the nod over these kind of big power jams and, and full rail arcs and, you know, airs that actually do hit a section and, and really project you out towards the flats. Uh, yeah, maybe he's just got to take it up a notch if he wants to uh, get those Vs. Exactly right, Get Ryan. those Ws. Because uh, Griff, he hits straight back with a nine for a series of vicious finners out the back. That's sick. For me, one of the turns of the event, that, that, that finner to lip, lip slide mm. on that crumbling little section yeah. on the bowl. Like, there's just this little bit of perfect foam. Just fucking belted Whah. it. Slid and, uh, yeah, just looked amazing. Looked like it felt amazing. Uh, and then just a few huge rips out of the bowl, followed by one of the best claims I've ever seen, Vaughn. A little swerving samba. Yeah, the boogaloo. Yeah, I love the trick boogaloo. Looked like the Fonz at the Milk Bar circa 75, whenever mm-hmm. that was going down. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that was... And then, and then from there, just built the house. You know, followed that up with a five, a seven for a six, slob punt. Uh, then the pe- piece to resistance under Toledo's priority... He uh, got two for the price of one, beat Toledo at his own game. A crazy corked air rev, off axis, out into the flats. Then an end section air reverse, super tech, super clutch for the score on the buzzer. Under Toledo's mm. priority, Vaughn. Yes. Fuck, it's got to feel good. That is a surfer yes. inflow with confidence. Agreed. Wow. And uh, huge props to whoever chaired him up the rocks because uh, that looked like an absolute nightmare, ankle-breaking disaster. <laughs> I was just going, what are you guys doing? You don't have to chair him up when it's on a slippery, boulder-infested <laughs> point break. <laughs> the Latin America Lennox head. Jeez, you're not chairing someone up the boulders at Lennox. Oh, mate, boulders. that was madness. But they, they stuck in there. I think Chloe was there, one of them. Uh, a huge event, Smithy. A great event. Uh, in terms of building the story in the WSL finals, it, it, it really played out in, in such a fascinating way, man. And, jeez, uh, these next three are going to be fun to watch. Cannot wait. Oi, Rio Pro, it begins. The waiting period begins June 23, runs through to June 30. Event number eight on the schedule. That is three days from now, Vaughn. It's a pivotal event. You look at who's there and you just think, the big three Brazilians, all of them hungry for a win. The weird thing about Brazil is you always get this weird little X factor somebody like run to have a magic run through the draw. Like Wade Carmichael made mm. a final there once. and um, That was cooking. Cooking conditions. That looked like a, a cooking day at uh, Avoca or something. You know, it was like pitting and uh, big walls. Mm. Perfectly. We could get that. I remember Jao Chianka getting a fucked up one that looked like backdoor out yeah. there that day. The, the quality conditions we've been getting in Brazil in recent years have improved. So, uh, I mean, that's something to mm. to be wary of. I'd expect them to be getting, you know, a pretty pumping beach break. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be the, the big three Brazilians and maybe uh, a Kanoa or a, a Griff sort of troubling them there. But, geez, it's going to be gnarly to stop those guys. On the women's side, Tatiana needs to get a roll on before she has to start thinking about J-Bay and, and uh, Chopes. Like, she can't just leave it to those last two events. She's got a bit of work to do. I mean, four-foot beach break conditions, I feel like there's not a chick on tour who's not comfortable in those kinds of mm. conditions. It's it's the, the, the bread and butter of the, the entire lot. So, yeah. Like and said, and Tyler. Like, if Tyler, is Tyler going to Brazil? 
She yeah. must be. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it's 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 not a not a known thing yet. And I, uh, don't know about Tyler. Don't know about the goat either. I, I wouldn't expect the goat to be turning nah. out of Brazil. The 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 Tyler Wright frontside pocket jam and uh, the way that she can sort of fit multiple power turns into a small, you know, into a small little uh, cupped out face is mm. going to play well for her in Brazil too. We'll be watching. Yeah. Competition surfing. Rashes. Pure tour nerdism.